Thanks for uh, coming out. You know, uh, we, um, we had a wonderful memorial yesterday for Judy and um, there were a lot of people from our usual first service uh, here and we had a notion to just uh, say we'll take a 15-minute break after the memorial service and then have our first service Sunday morning. The people were already gathered. Uh, it was an amazing um, tribute to our Lord, first of all, but then also of a woman who was greatly used by, by God and just kind of worked behind the scenes, building into people's lives and teaching them and loving them and being involved uh, in all kinds of service. Um, and, and so uh, the family is here actually at this first service this morning and uh, they, they were able to share and, and it was good. Um, just, just in terms of what a mom can be like, a wife, um, just a servant of the Lord. And so um, we celebrate that Judy is with our Lord. Uh, it, it's, um, it's a wonderful truth. We will miss her. So many of us will miss her, but um, we're thankful we know where she is and that we will, as Christians, be joining her someday. So um, another thing just comes to mind as I think about that, many, uh, I don't know how many of you would uh, remember Jason and Marie Zinke. In fact, they were here about three weeks ago visiting from, from Vancouver, Washington, and um, he had a stroke last last Sunday and went to be with the Lord. I think on Wednesday, of this uh, of this week, it was yeah really unexpected and uh, a real shock to the family. So pray with Marie, especially the family as they uh, go through this time. Um, yeah, we never know. Our days are numbered. The, the Bible teaches, and God knows, but we don't. So. Uh, I pray that our lives reflect Him every day. Um, the uh, other thing that I'd just like to share this morning is we had the um, we had this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I know many of you are praying, and that's what we want. We really want our our Lord's will concerning every decision we make here at the church. We are considering adding a, a few things in terms of property wise, even some parking places, and and. Um, uh, just uh, kind of changing things around here. And uh, we, we really want the Lord's wisdom on this. If it isn't wise for us to invest money in that, the money is the Lord's. And so how does he best want us to use that? And so, um, but we had a, a weekend that many of you were praying for and we met with Warren Shute. He, he was a, a guy from... Um, Generis is the name of the organization, but he, he just came to kind of come and get a feel for the body and what is, you know, what is the, we had a focus group that met with, with him and we had the elders and deacons and staff and everybody, d discipling team and uh, worship team. And so it was a very, very profitable weekend. And, and I realized, we realized that that was due to you uh, praying and we ask for a continued wisdom as, as we go forward. We, we always, we, we really try to carefully use what, um, you know, what the Lord gives through you um, to this church. We want to really be wise on that. We realize there are a lot of really good things to financially be invested in. 
and and, uh, and we pray that we are one of those places. But just pray for us uh, as we continue to go forward. We want to talk with you, and hopefully you can ask questions of us. But but uh, this was we we've been kind of working on this really up to two years, and, and so but we're just. We're taking the next step forward, and um, it, it's been really good. It's been wonderful to see the, um, the, the 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 continuity that we have in our our you know with our kind of our leadership. And uh, so, please please just really pray for us that uh, we would continue to make decisions that are honoring to our Lord. And we want this to be a kind of a group decision, not just a, a few people making the decision. Um, so we're bringing more and more people in in terms of the, the loop, and, and we want to include everyone. So uh, just pray for us, but thank you for praying for this weekend. It really went well. I felt like Warren really got a good, uh, a good feel for our body, and he, uh, he remarked, this is a, a pretty, pretty remarkable body of believers. And so uh, uh, thank you for being part of it, and uh, con please continue praying. We'll continue to try and let you know kind of where we are in our thinking and, and direction as we go. This morning we are going to be looking at the uh, uh, fifth church in the book of Revelation. And I'd like for you to turn to that book. That's the last book in the Bible, um, Revelation chapter 3. And um, yeah, pl please pray for me this morning. I I'm just kind of weary. We've had a, a, quite a quite a week, uh, Mary Lee and I have, and um, pray that I'd I'd stay alert. That's what he tells this church to do. <laughs> you know, wake up, wake up. So uh, pray for me this morning, Th Father. We we thank you for your word, the truth of it, the value of it, how it impacts our daily lives, a and I can't imagine. Jesus saying to me, you have an appearance of being alive, but you are dead. Uh, oh, my land. And that's what he says to this church. And so uh, I just pray that uh, for those of us who need to wake up, that we would do that. I, I pray that we wouldn't see ourselves as hopeless because Jesus doesn't. And, and so may we learn from this passage everything you want us to learn and uh, just there are several things said to them how to how to remedy this uh, this issue in their lives, and um, it's something only you can do is give life to the dead, but you you can do that and you do do that. And so uh, thanks that we can talk with you. We pray that you would uh, uh, guide our our time in your word this morning and then our observing of the Lord's table together. What a special time that is for each one of us. And we just uh, uh, thank you that you're with us, and we, we want to keep our eyes fixed upon you. And Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And I, I think I'll just start by reading those. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Now remember, this is Jesus speaking to this church in, this, in the city of Sardis. Verse 3. So remember what you have received and heard, and keep it and repent. 
Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The, the fifth mark, and I have this on your handout if you're following along on the back-to-back -back sheet or you're following along on the bulletin, the fifth mark of a true and living church is keeping alert. Uh, he says this many times in scriptures, kind of wake up, keep alert, uh, you know, don't go to sleep on me. Um, but, but he says here, a, a true and living church is a church that is keeping alert. And so what, what would Jesus say to this dead or sleeping church? Ray Stedman called this the church of the zombies. <laughs> we might say the church of the, you know, the walking dead, I think is the title of one of the shows it's on right now. <laughs> and to this church, what Jesus does is he says, uh, I know what's going on on the inside. Uh, you, you, you might be doing things that you always have done, but there's no, but at least at this time, there's no life in them. You're a, a dead or a sleeping church. And the good thing about this, and the good thing about our Lord is, is he, he knows what really needs to be dealt with. And he, he stresses his inside. If, it, if something on the inside needs to be dealt with, that's what he deals with. And we need to be so thankful for that. You know, a couple of the other churches, needed to, they needed to deal with some of their outward practices. Uh, they were practicing idolatry, and some of the people in the church, different places, were practicing actually sexual immorality. And he deals with those deeds. But here he, he deals with what's going on inside because apparently you would walk into that building where, or that, probably that house where they were meeting and you just said, wow, there's life here. They're doing things. And so this church in Sardis was described by people as being alive, but Jesus says, here's the issue, you're dead. And I love the fact, and this is what you go away with with every one of these churches, is you go away with Jesus. <laughs> that Jesus, Jesus doesn't give up on them. We just said, hey, it's a dead church, let's bury it. But Jesus doesn't do that. The Lord who knows the churches and who holds every church in his hand says something's wrong with you. And so he gives them five, actually five commands. Wake up and strengthen what remains. And remember what you've received and heard and keep it and repent. Sardis, wake up to the spiritual realities. Cultivate this eternal Jesus perspective. And that may, may not be a problem with, with our church here at this moment in time, 
but it may be true of you as an individual that maybe you've really walked with the Lord and you've experienced his life and it's been evident that you belong to him, but as time has gone by, perhaps there's a sin, maybe it's a, uh, an inward sin that nobody else is even aware of that, that needs to be dealt with. And if Jesus brings that to mind for you as an individual, then wake up and remember and strengthen what remains. There's hope for you. but we need to deal with it. Now the city of Sardis was a, about 30 miles to the east of Thyatira. That's the church we looked at last week. It was about 50 miles due east of Smyrna, which is a church we looked at earlier. Sardis was on a, an important trade route that ran east and west through the kingdom of Lydia. It was a wealthy commercial city. It was primarily because of its trade in wool dyeing and jewelry industries. It, it had a, a reputation, and it truly was. It was rich. It was, had a lot of money. It was also the, a center of pagan worship. There was a big temple there to Artemis, who was considered the goddess of wild animals in the hunt. But it doesn't matter what the city was like. The city, you know, the, the people there, the body of Christ, the church should have been impacting the city, but instead the city was impacting the church. It sounds like the church was looking just like the city. And so to this church, he says in the first part of verse, verse 1, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this. And he's referring back to the first chapter. Chapter 1 describes Jesus. It's a great description throughout the entire chapter. It's a great description of, of you know, what, what Jesus is truly like. It's not only from Jesus, it's about Jesus. And talks about Jesus having the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He, he says this. Again, we've seen that Jesus describes himself in a way that is best for that church address. This is what this church needed. They needed to understand that Jesus is the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And the seven spirits of God, we saw back in chapter 1, most likely referring to really his, it's emphasizing his completeness. You think of seven churches, seven, you know, seven spirits, just that the spirit, the Holy Spirit is, is enough. That he, he, his ability to be present everywhere and with each church. And so the Holy Spirit is working with this particular church and he's working with this church over here. He's working with this church over here. He, he's big enough. He's complete enough. We don't need to worry about the Spirit having time for us or giving life to us. He always wants to do that. And Jesus also holds the seven stars he, uh, that we saw back in the, in the first part of, well, at the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2, that, he, that, that the seven stars are the angels or the messengers. He holds them in his right hand. We, we can trust the Lord with our you know, with our, our leadership, if you want to look, our servant leaders. We can, we can trust the Lord. 
And so I put it on your handout, if you're following along on the bulletin, how comforting to know that he's present and he's everything we need. If we need life, he gives life. And that's what this dead church needed. <laughs> the Spirit lives within us to live the life of Jesus in us and through us. He's exactly who they needed in this situation. And so we're to, we're to keep our focus on him and his perspective. Jesus, you know, what, what are you? What, what's the issue in our church? Or issues, what are they? We want to deal with them. And each of us needs to be asking, Lord Jesus, what's the issue in my life? I realize you are everything I need and you supply everything. You, know, you not only supply resources, but you supply yourself to me. And so I pray that if we don't get anything else out of this message this morning, that we go away with this Jesus. And so sleeping church, look at your Lord. Look who he is. Sleeping individual, look at your Lord. And then he says in the last part of verse 1, he says, I, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you're alive, but, but you're dead. And so sleeping church, your Lord is looking at you. And when he looks at us, he sees exactly what's going on. He sees that we're doing things. You have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. He sees these deeds and he hear, probably hears words of profession, but there's no life present. And we see in verse 2 that, that that word dead is used for sleep here. They're, they're asleep. You know, when somebody's asleep, sometimes you wonder if they're dead. But, but their reputation was all a sham. They were, it was hiding their lack of, of life, true life. And so what Jesus is doing is he's exposing and he's unmasking the truth of their works. It's, it's kind of like a rotten core in an apple that looks great, but you take a bite of it and you realize this is rotten. Someone described this church as a spiritual, a spiritual graveyard with an excellent reputation. Now think about that. <laughs> it's a graveyard. But it has an excellent reputation. And notice in this church, in fact, in, there are two churches that receive, that, that receive only condemnation. There, there's really no opposition. There's not any opposition from the city. There's not any opposition from the governor. There's not any opposition by religious opponents, as we've seen with the other churches. But these two churches that receive, that, which receive only condemnation, which is Sardis, and we'll see in a couple of weeks, the, the, the church at Laodicea, they're the two churches in which there's no opposition. They were merely reflecting the culture around them, and perhaps they were living off the name of their past leaders and their parents, or perhaps they were living off of their reputation of how it once was with them. And so the eyes of Christ here saw beyond the outward to the inward. And I put on your handout, recognize the, 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 the difference between outward appearance and inward reality. 
2 Timothy, it talks about in the last days, difficult times will come. And, and, and this is just, these, these are talking about non-Christians here, but listen to this. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I don't know what the better definition of our society is today. And the last verse says, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. And it says, avoid such men as these. And so here you have this church that's being hypocritical, which means they're play-acting. It's make-believe. It's let's pretend. While being a dead church. Now, again... <laughs> Keep in mind who our God is. I love that definition in Romans 4.17 when it's talking about Abraham. But Abraham believed in the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. Now that's God. God who gives life to the dead. Even if the church was completely dead, God gives life to the dead. And he can call into being something that doesn't even exist. He doesn't begin with something and then make it different or better. He, he, he can begin with nothing and make it. That, that's the God we have. And so keep, keep, keep the description of God before your, your eyes here. I want to do the same thing as we deal with this church that's having these issues or we're dealing with individuals who have this issue. Don't, don't give up on the person. Just real, point them to the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. He's present and he's everything we need. We were spiritually dead, the Bible teaches, before we became Christians. And he made us spiritually alive. Only God could do that. And so for this church here, it would, you know, all outward appearances would look like they are dead if you want to look at it from God's perspective. But he, he knows the issues. And so he says in verse 2, Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So wake up, strengthen, then verse 3, So remember what you have received and, and heard and keep it and repent. If you don't wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. And so sleeping church, look what's at stake. That There's immediate action that should be taken. As soon as you receive this letter and hear these words, my land, wake up. Strengthen what remains. Remember and obey and repent. It's interesting when he says strengthen what little remains. Even that's on the edge of death. There's not much left there. And he says, your deeds are not completed in the sight of my God. I came across this quote and I put it on the, on the handout there. Jesus, Jesus doesn't give up on this church on the edge of extinction, but gives them the way of recovery. Wake up. 
If you're dealing with somebody who's really going through a hard time like this, give them these verses. <laughs> There's a way out of what you're going through. And strengthen the little that remains. And how do you do that? I think there are several ways of strengthening the little that remains. Number one is just, you know, resting in the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit. You know, I'm going to get back in your Word again, and I'm going to start reading it, and I want you to open up my eyes in terms of what needs to be dealt with, and I want to respond to that. So use, use the, the, the truth of God's Word and use the truth that the Holy Spirit will speak to us as we get into God's Word. And, and I think here, uh, you know, for example, in our church, one of the things I encourage, so encourage people to do is either, either be discipling somebody or that keeps you fresh, by the way, or, or be being discipled. Somebody should be building in your lives. Strengthen what remains. And I think a lot of that is by discipleship. You mature Christians disciple the younger ones. You do that by example and by, by teaching, you know, from the Word and, and by friendship. Uh, we've developed some written materials through the years that I think are, is very helpful. Those materials are very helpful in, in, in building into somebody's life. And if you aren't be dis being discipled, ask a, a more mature person. Christian or friend, you know, to, to build into your life. Let's, let's start getting in the... I need this. In fact, you know, our vision statement as a church is, is we exist to, uh, you know, intentionally, relationally disciple people. Relationships. And then in verse 3, he says, remember, it's a command, present command. Keep on remembering all the time. Remember what you received and what you heard. And when you remember it, and remember what you've heard and received, keep it. Obey and repent, which means to turn from your sin, turn from your deadness, turn to the living Lord. And so on your handout, return to the central truths that have been ignored. And I just think, you know, I'm starting to think of all the, the, the truths that we, uh, <laughs> okay, what are the central truths? And I started thinking about God as Father, Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit as my helper. I started thinking about the authority of God's Word. How, you know, when God speaks, we need to listen to it. We need to understand the context in which the Bible was written. We need to understand who the audience is that's being addressed. That's all true. But, but listen to it. Get into it. Because there's life there. There's truth there. There's help there. And I thought, remember God's love for me. God, how you love me that you'd give your son to die in my place as a sinner and for my sins. And you dealt with everything, even sin in the flesh. All the sin issues were dealt with. Re remember God's love for you. He did that out of love. Jesus gave his life out of love. 
And remember forgiveness of sins and that you've received a new heart. And remember that you have this intimate relationship with God as Father. And remember that you have direct access to God at any time in any situation, even if you're dead. (laughs) And remember He's written His law on your heart and on our minds. And remember that He sent His Spirit to live within us when we became Christians. Remember the new person you are in Christ and in the Spirit. Remember how to walk in the Spirit's strength instead of your own. Remember these things. Spend some time remembering Don't try to live in the past, but remember what took place back here and how you found in Jesus everything you needed. And keep it, obey it, hold fast to it, a continuing activity, embrace what is true and act on it, and repent. It means, it's it's a word that means do do it right now, urgent. Repent of your sins, your hypocritical actions, and your incorrect thinking. Don't don't give up. Just deal with it the way the Bible says to, the way Jesus says to. And he says, if you don't wake up, I'll come to you suddenly, as unexpected as a thief. I'm coming. He he uses that word several times. You know, this phrase, I am coming, I am coming. He's going to come to certain churches. He's going to come, you know, and and, and it talks about that in Revelation 16 and Revelation 22. I am coming. I'm coming suddenly. It's It's a great word of hope and comfort to his people walking by faith. It's a word of discipline to other Christians. And this, this would have been a coming in, in, in loving discipline. It, it's not talking about the second coming when Jesus comes back for all Christians. In verse 4, but, but you have a, a few people. I like that. You have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. We think of a dirty diaper, you know, it kind of comes to mind. Uh, But you have a few people in Sardis who haven't soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The word worthy means it has weight. There's value there. I I love the fact that our Lord has always had a remnant, always there's never been a time. Remember when Elijah cried, am I the only one left? And God said, no, I got 7,000 other people. <laughs> Actually, that was very few. But he had a lot more than just Elijah. God's always had a remnant. <laughs> These few who had retained their trust and love for him. Seems like everybody except this small remnant had soiled their garments. And if you or I, if, if we are not concerned for Jesus' evaluation and what concerns him, then we end up dirty and soiled. But these people hadn't given in to that. They were worthy in the sense that they were alive they were doing they were continuing to do what was right they were continuing to trust God and and love God and it showed up there was life in the midst of deadness and then he says in verse 5 he who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments and I won't erase his name from the book of life and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels 
And this can be the people who are, quotes, dead or sleeping, or it can be the people who are continuing to walk in a way that's pleasing to him. They all can be overcomers. And the overcomer is the one who wakes up and strengthens and remembers and keeps and repents. He, 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 he does those five things. She does those five things. And the overcomer, there are rewards. Look at the rewards here. Look at this promise of Jesus. You'll be, you'll be clothed in white. And you'll have your name securely in the book of life. And Jesus, Jesus himself will confess your name before his father and his angels. So walk with him in white. According to chapter 19, verse 8, the white garments stand for the just acts, the righteous acts of the saints. And you'll walk with him in, in white. And the way it's phrased in the, uh, the Greek language in which the New Testament was written, I, uh, when he talks about your name you know, securely in the book of life, I will never, ever, under any circumstances, blot out your name from the book of life. And this is so reassuring. Six times John refers to the book of life in, in the book of Revelation. Jesus had told his disciples earlier to rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Can you imagine that? Rejoice! And there's a place later on in chapter 20, verse 15, where the book of life is mentioned, and it says, and this is the negative here, if anyone's name is not found in the, written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. <laughs> Our response to this should be, where do I sign up? And I'll, 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 I will, I will, Jesus says, I will confess your name before my Father and his angels. Jesus will acknowledge us as his own. And when Jesus confesses our name, we're accepted. Yeah. Oh, such good truth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Listen. Listen to each letter. And I put on your handout or on the bulletin, either one in conclusion, if this, if this is the letter for you, you may have experienced life, uh, genuine life. It, it's no question that you belong to the Lord, but your life today may be, <laughs> you know, at least on the inside, dead, sleeping and so if this is the letter for you, hear what the, the Spirit says to you. There are many churches today that have respectable reputations and are maybe full of activity but are lacking in the evidences of genuine faith. Do people just see us a lot? They do, doing a lot of maybe even good deeds. You know, nothing wrong with activity, but do they see the God of love? Do they see the Jesus that loves them? Do they, do they see the essence of who God is, Jesus is, being displayed through you, expressed through you? Is that what people see when they see you busy doing things? When they see our church doing things, are, are they, they seeing life? The life of Jesus being lived out through us? 
Let's not be a play-acting church or individual. And then I put finish well. <laughs> finish well. You know, Judy finished well. Judy Shepherd, she finished well. She was really serving individuals, family, to the end. Let's wake up, strengthen, remember, keep, and repent. And so on your handout, the people who follow Jesus' words and find life in the indwelling Holy Spirit are overcomers. Again, remember who our God is, the God who gives life to the dead, calls into being that which does not exist. You know what? You don't play church with a God, Lord, Spirit like that. What a shame if we're playing church. And if this is a this passage is a description of you as an individual Christian. Don't give up. Jesus doesn't. Jesus, thank you that you don't give up. Father, thank you that you're the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. So there's never an issue. There's never a person that you can't give life to. And if something is needed that doesn't exist, you will bring it into being. And so we thank you that you're that kind of a God. How we love you. We need you. And so uh, may we deal honestly with what's in this passage. May your Holy Spirit who lives within us as Christians, may, may, we, may we listen to him if he's speaking to us today. And the Holy Spirit always, always, always points toward Jesus. And thank you that you're here with us, Jesus. And you deal with the real issues. May we pay attention. And in your name we pray.